You have turned my wailing into dancing. Therefore, my heart sings to you without ceasing. Amen. Good morning. There's something every human being in the world does, without exception, and that is we eat. Some of us have a lot of choices about what we eat, and others don't have as many choices, but we eat. And we do our best to make decisions about what we eat that uh, make sense to us. Those of us who are affluent um, get to decide pretty much whatever we want to eat, we can eat. And in Portland, that is so true. I could go out there right now and we could have a really wonderful discussion about all the great things we like to eat, but that's not where the gospel is taking us. Even folks in Portland who find themselves very struggling get to make choices about what they eat. I was at the cathedral just the other day and we were feeding people and there were various things set out for them. And they could make decisions about what they wanted and didn't want. A few weeks ago, I was in um, Woodburn and I heard a story. In Woodburn, they have these little packets of uh, food that they give out to the homeless. And, um, and so a lot of the people from the church there uh, take the, their little um, Ziploc bag of food and have it in their car. And uh, when they're getting on the highway, if there's someone asking for food, they hand it to them. And apparently at one point, one of the homeless uh, stuck his neck out a little bit and said, these are really great. I, I very much appreciate it, but could you guys vary them a little bit? The disciples encounter Jesus around food, around bread and wine, and today about bread and fish. And they encounter him after his resurrection. And there's this conversation about food with them. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at that scripture and I see what happened there, we have that wonderful moment when Simon Peter is standing with the other seven of the disciples and says, I'm going fishing. And it seems to me that when he says that, he says it because he can't figure out what else to do. Even after having seen the Lord resurrected, he was still struggling with, what does this mean in my life? And how do I need to live my life given the resurrection? And so as he struggled with that, he did the only thing he knew how to do, which was to go fish. And the other disciples, seven of them, said, we'll go with you. Because they too had gotten to a place where they had absolutely no clue what to do with their lives. And so they go fishing. And there they are in the boat all night, and they, they catch nothing. And I suspect that that was a moment for them of deep grief and sadness. 
everything they knew was failing them. All the ways they knew how to live with one another, how to communicate with one another, how to do things, they couldn't follow Jesus anymore because he wasn't walking around on the earth. And in deep grief, they encounter the Lord. Most of us have known deep grief in our life one way or another, and it's one of the most particular places where God comes to us. Not the only place. God can come to us in joy as well, but often we particularly begin to know the Lord when we encounter something we have no longer any control of, and we have to figure out what to do with this new reality. And it is at that moment that the Lord comes to us and we encounter Christ risen. And what is it Christ gives to us as we encounter Christ? The disciples get some fish, some bread, so he feeds them. And often that is the first moment moving away from deep grief is when you feel fed in some way. And then he says, follow me. He gives them purpose and direction, and they follow. The disciples encountered Jesus in that way, and they shared that story with another generation. Our gospel is written by a second-generation Christian who has heard from the disciples the story of their encounter with the Lord, but I suspect that particular writer wrote the gospel not just out of the stories he had heard from, his, um, from the people that came before him, but because he or she also felt that they had been encountered by God. This morning, a number of you are coming to this church for the very purpose of reaffirming your faith in Jesus Christ, and of inviting yourself to be a part of this community, of this cathedral. My suspicion is that if it hasn't happened yet, there will be a moment when you too will find yourself in need of the Lord. And my what I say to you today is that the Lord will be present. That's the story of the resurrection, isn't it? It is that it, the story didn't end with death, but the story ended with Jesus coming back to the disciples, having bread and, and fish with them and discussing life with them and giving them purpose and vision beyond their limited ability to know what it might be. And what the disciples did, in fact, was create a community of people that was larger and more expansive than any community that they had been a part of. If you read the New Testament well, what you discover is that in the very beginning of the church, they tried a, 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 an experiment. They tried to hold everything in common. That lasted for about a week. 
And then we human beings decided we needed our stuff back. And they also decided that men and women would not be distinguished from one another, and neither would uh, Jew and Greek, slave or free, that all would be one in Christ. And we know that that didn't last very long either. And yet the disciples and the church has continued to try to proclaim this forever. We are one in Christ, and there is no difference among us. A few years ago, I was in Mexico, uh, and, and I was at the Roman Catholic Cathedral there. And in the back of the Roman Catholic Cathedral is an enormous baptistry. And people were going and coming. There wasn't any church services going on. People were just looking at the building, and, and some were coming to sit in the pew and pray. And so there was some activity and movement around. And I noticed this young man who was in the uh, back, and he had a plastic, great big 64-ounce uh, Coke bottle that was empty. And he was kind of hiding it. And I I wondered what that was about, so I watched him. And after a little while, when he didn't think anybody was watching him, he took that bottle and put it into the baptistry where they had holy water, and he filled it up, and he put the cap on it, and he left with his bottle of holy water. Because in that community, holy water is important. And for some reason, he thought that he didn't deserve to have it, that he had to get it in a sneaky way. And I think the proclamation of the gospel is that grace abounds and that God is with us. And you don't have to hide your need for the Lord. If I were in that cathedral, what I hope I would do is get a big garden hose and set up a fountain Put a big sign on it. Come one, come all. That's the gospel that I know. That's the gospel that I preach. That's the gospel that you know. And that's the gospel that you can preach to the world. Grace abounds. Alleluia. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.